0: Hey, if you have a Bible, turn with me to Proverbs chapter 22. As I said a moment ago, we're kind of in a neat series called Drop the Mic, where we're listening to King Solomon and his idea of being able to preach these one-verse sermons. And so in these one-verse sermons, we're kind of letting God kind of direct our steps. And so today, I love the verse that we're going to lean in on today. Proverbs 22, verse 1. Listen to what it says. A good name... Is more desirable than great riches. It's to be esteemed is to be better than silver and gold. Come on, a good name, did you hear that? A good name, a good name is more valuable than earthly wealth and riches. Now, that statement carries a lot more weight when you know it, it's the richest man speaking those words. You see, we forget this, but Solomon was like the Bill Gates of his day. Uh, He had all the earthly wealth, but he's going to tell you at the end of the day, a good name is more important than all the treasures that you can get in this world. Come on. Here we are on, on Independence Week as we celebrate this. I wonder, what is your name? Come on, what is your name? Each of you, when you were born, your mom and dad gave you a name, right? And then you got this inherited family name or surname. And so I thought, what a great exercise on this Independence Weekend, knowing that we're people that come all across the country, but even all around the world, how international this community is and even how international our world is. And and so what if we could just do this? I'm going to count to three, and I want you just to call out your family name. Now, if you're married, you might be going, do I say my maiden name or my married name? And listen, that's a whole nother sermon right there. But you just call out your name as we go here. One, two, three. Awesome. Listen, my name is Gaston. I love that Disney dressed it up by saying Gaston. Because when you're a kid with the last name Gaston, kids can be cruel with that name. And before you get out of elementary school, you get that, oh, ton of gas, right? And so I don't know what your name is. I don't know if you like it or hate it, but it's your name. But when we're talking about a good name, this is more than just the given name for you, right? And Actually, in the Hebrew language, the name is is a Hebrew word called Shem. And it means not just name, but it means reputation. It means fame it means glory it means maybe the monument of what that name represents but the deepest part of the name is what it's its character you see sometimes we'll focus on what your reputation is but your reputation always started somewhere deeper right what's your name what are you known for how do people know you This idea of a name is a good place for us to be, I believe, this weekend as we continue the series. But can can I just kind of be Bible nerd for a minute with you? Can I do that? Come on. Like I'm really asking for permission here, right? Genesis 9. If you go back to Genesis 9, it's our namesake here at Mount Ararat. It's It's the Noah story. Noah and the ark. You remember this? And the only people that survived the flood are the people that got on the boat. So the message is, get on the boat. Don't miss the boat, right? And and in this, at the end of the day, they finally, the waters recede, and the family of Noah comes off the ark. Do you remember what his three sons' names were? This is so cool. One of his sons' name is Shem, right? Which means name, right? It's Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now, we need to go back to naming like that, right? But in this, these three guys, these three sons, end up creating these three nations or these three people groups. So what you get is what? You get the Japhethites, the Japhethites, right? You get the Hamites. Hamites, that sounds like something off of Denny's menu, right? And then you get the Shemites, or we know it as the Semites, Right? Have you ever heard being anti-Semitic? Where does that come from? It's the name. It's the name. And the Shemites go on to become the Jewish nation, the Hebrews. Are y'all with me? Kind of cool, right? Go two chapters later and you get the story of what? The Tower of Babel. Now, y'all know what the conflict of the Tower of Babel, right, it is? They start looking around they start interacting together and they said hey wait a minute what if we do something great and grand here what if we actually build a tower and it goes all the way up to heaven right look at this this is cool it says this in genesis chapter 11 it gives us this picture verse 4 then they said this come let us do what what does it say there Build ourselves a city, a tower that reaches to the heavens, so that we can make a what? A name for ourselves. Otherwise, we're going to be scattered all over the face of the earth. So what are they going to do? We're going to make a name for ourselves. God doesn't like this plan. So what does God decide to do? He decides to give them all different languages to force them to what? To spread all over the the earth interesting making a name is deep within all of us this desire to make a name for ourselves are are y'all with me yet Now, think with this, because I don't think the desire is wrong. Matter of fact, I think the desire is real, and I think every single one of us have a desire to make a name for ourselves. Now, let's just think about this for a second, because this idea of making a name, what does that actually mean? It means I want to be favorable to other people. It means I want to be trustworthy. That's not a bad thing, right? It means I want to be taken seriously. I I want to be known for my skills and my abilities. Come on, I just want to be loved and respected. Is that a bad desire? No. Making a name for yourself is not a bad desire, but it's not a good focus. Does that make sense yet? It's not bad to have that desire, but when you make the focus all about making a name for yourself, that's when you get into trouble, is it not? And yet, isn't that what we're always drawn into through the desires of our hearts? So could we just do something? This might be the bad week to actually give you this application. But I want you to imagine, because some of you aren't going to work, but just go back to work. When you go back to work, pay attention to the conversations at work. I know it's summertime, kids, go back to school and just listen to how people act and behave in school. Come on, go to any environment, whether you're, you're on the ball field, right? I know there's a lot of summer baseball happening, a lot of ball, ha- maybe it's the, that you're in the arts and you play music or maybe you act on the stage, but just go to any environments. Come on, it's summertime, summer swim, any summer swimmers out there, right? And go to the community pool, right? And in these environments, I want you just to listen into the conversations and pay special attention when there's conflict. Because what happens when you and I are in these moments of testing and conflict or even these moments of conversation, how many people are trying to make a name for themselves, trying to get the position, trying to get the promotion, trying to get the status, trying to get recognized, right? And yet even in all of that, we, it's, like, it's like it's so consuming and we don't even see how easy it slides into us. And then let's go to the place of conflict for a minute. Every single one of us have been in a situation where a conversation we get caught up in and all of a sudden it's coming towards us and in that moment we freeze, right? We don't know what to say and as soon as we walk out of that moment, what happens? i should have said this because we replay that conversation again and again and again in our head come on come on george costanza and all of a sudden it's like wait a minute if i get another moment like that i know next time i'm gonna say this i'm gonna do this i'm gonna say this and i'm gonna drop the mic and i'm gonna walk away right and next time i'm ready when that when that comes right listen listen you know what happens when you get caught up trying to make a name you have to spend all your energy trying to make a point hello hello and isn't that what happens oftentimes? We're so consumed with trying to make a point. And making a point and making a name can be exhausting. Come on. Can I get a witness? Y'all know this to be true, Right. And yet in this, Solomon's trying to help calibrate the people then and there. And God's trying to help us to see it even now. But how much energy do we use trying to prove ourselves to other people? How much energy do we use trying to prove ourselves to ourselves to feel worthy again? And yet it happens again and again And again, now King Solomon doesn't stop with Proverbs. He actually writes another book called Ecclesiastes. I call it the Cynical Proverbs. And if you know anything about the Bible, it's at the end of his life where he's concluding what living all the worldly stuff leads to. Come on, meaningless, meaningless, everything's meaningless. Do you know that he says something else about a good name in Ecclesiastes? Look at this. Ecclesiastes 7.1 says this. A good name is better than fine perfume. And the day of death better than the day of birth. Interesting weight. Fine perfume. Wealth and riches. A good name contrasted with earthly wealth and perfume. Listen, perfume kind of gets lost in our generation. I don't know how many women wear perfume, but listen, women, we all want you to smell nice, right? But in their ancient days... If you held, if you had perfume, it was a value, a high value. Remember the story in the New Testament where this woman comes up broken and she pours what? Her, her alabaster jar on Jesus, this extract and Judas is back there going, what a waste, right? Listen, it was considered your dowry. It was considered valuable. And so he's trying to show this value of, of how important it is to have a good name in relationship to the things of this earth. And he's wanting us to see this. Now, what I love about this imagery is there's something about the power of smell. Are, are y'all with me? Something about smell can draw in not just your head, but all of the senses together. Y'all don't believe me yet. So let me ask you this. This week, there's a lot of cooking going to happen. Is What's it like to walk into a house where they're making chocolate chip cookies? I know, I know, listen, it'll make you divide, defile that carb avoiding, right? Listen, it it make you a weak man. If you're trying to avoid sweets and you smell chocolate chip cookies, it's like, get behind me Satan, right? It's like, there's no way, there's no way because the smell of a cookie cooking is like amazing. Are y'all with me? Now listen, this week's gonna be barbecue. And so let's just imagine this, there's nothing better than the smell of barbecue, right? Come on, come on men, fire, right? And this week, you're going to be cooking meat on that grill, unless you're a vegetarian. And there's nothing like cooking broccoli on the grill. I don't know. I don't know. know. But, But what I'm saying is the power of smell, it just leads us in. There's something powerful about smell. And yet he says a good name is greater. Listen, listen. The other day... I left here on a Sunday, and I had to do a wedding a few hours away, and so I, I was looking for company in my house, and Hannah decided to go with me, so we jump in the van, we start heading out there, and we're coming back, and we're coming out the back way, and, and it's funny, my kids, are, they know it, anytime you come within a radius of move through, they're like, can we stop, dad, can we stop, dad, can we stop, come on, anybody move through fans, right, and I know what you're thinking now, if you move through right now, you're, you can smell it, waffle cone, right. You got it? You got it? She's like, dad, can we stop? And I said, we're not stopping, babe. We got to get home. We got to get home. So instead of stopping, I take the right. We're going to head back the back roads here. And instead I pass by on the side of the road, roadkill. And about the time I pass, I realize the roadkill is a skunk. Y'all know what the smell of a skunk is? Yeah, we all have that memory in our memory bank. It's like, it's horrible. It's horrible. I'm, listen, I'm driving away. I'm tasting skunk. It's like, ah, we should have got the waffle cone. You know, this is, it's that, I mean, and as we're driving, I'm just thinking, this smell is horrible. Now, listen to me. Three days later, every time I get in that van, all I can smell is what? I didn't hit the skunk. I didn't even roll over the skunk. I drove by and I got like skunk juice all over. I don't know what it is. And I'm thinking, I can't, is this gonna be the new normal for my car? This is horrible. It's already horrible I drive a minivan. Now I got a skunk minivan on that. And I'm thinking, how do I get the smell out of here? I, got, I know who I'd ask. I know who to ask, Redneck Jerry Williams. That's who I'll ask. I guarantee that dude knows something about roadkill, right? Even he couldn't figure it out. But here's what I noticed after three days. Listen, the skunk smell eventually fades. Good smell, bad smell, eventually what? Fades away. Can I just show you something here? Solomon's trying to show us the difference between a good name and wealth and perfume. It's this, is that we long for something that's gonna what? It's gonna last. And if this is lasting, come on. This is temporary, isn't it? And yet, even in that, we spend so much money on things that are temporary, so much focus, so much attention on things that aren't going to even last. And it gets all of our energy. Yet, back here, if we would back up here, man, the stuff that's going to last, it actually begins somewhere deeper, right? It's about something more. It's about something internal. And yet, we wear ourselves out with everything that's what? Temporary and external Solomon says listen I know you're in the tension of it all I'm just here to tell you 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 need to make sure you land on the right side of it all now with that being said let's kind of let this unpack for a minute because I want you to hear kind of these truths here in, in Solomon's words as we listen in this idea of what's going to last, we started this whole series, Drop the Mic, right in the first chapter, Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. And we said we want to do this series on wisdom. We want this series on wisdom. And the first verse in our series was 1 7 that says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, right? And the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. And so for us to truly understand what what Solomon's saying here today with what we're looking at, we got to know the difference between wisdom and knowledge. Y'all know that, right? Knowledge and wisdom aren't the same thing. They're not the same thing. Now, you could have knowledge and not have wisdom, but you can't have wisdom without having knowledge. Y'all know this, right? How many of you know somebody that's really, really smart but has made a lot of dumb, dumb, dumb decisions. Anybody there? I know we all have a friend, right? (laughs) Right? Listen, there's a difference between knowledge and wisdom. Can I tell you, when you don't have knowledge, you're just ignorant. When you don't have wisdom, the Bible says you are a fool. It's hard, isn't it? And when you're a fool, that has spiritual implications. God doesn't desire for us to be fools in our life, but, but it's, it's theological, it's spiritual to get the wisdom that God wants to freely give, but we're not always open to receiving it. There's got to be a difference that we can see here. and The Bible shows us that foolishness is moral and spiritual matter, and it will receive the judgment from God. Yet God has something for us to see that the highest sense of being wise is, has a relationship with salvation itself. I know it's hard to see this, but I want you to understand, wisdom's not just right believing. It's right believing and right behaving. It's it's that living it out. Solomon, come on Solomon, you tell us this about wisdom, but wisdom's not just what you know, right? It's not just what you know, but it's you actually living what you know to be true. Difference between knowledge and wisdom, right? Now here's where it gets even better. And this is the freeing part for us as we continue to lean into the scriptures today. God doesn't want us just to know, even though he wants us to know him and he wants to know us and he wants us to go back and forth. The greatest aspect of our life is not just what we know, it's being known. To me, that's the difference maker. When we're known by God, what does that mean? That means this, is that when you and I live in this world for you and I, we got nowhere to go but being self-centered and selfish. When you and I, our whole objective is to make a name for ourselves, we got nowhere to go but sinful and selfish. Our only hope is God coming And giving us Jesus. That is our only hope for us to come to not just the knowledge of Jesus, but for us to come to the surrender to say, I can't, God, you can and you did, and I trust, I trust in Jesus alone to save me. It's in that relationship that I'm fully known. It's in that relationship that I finally begin to awaken to who God wants me to be. Come on. I want to be known by God. And that means I need to know him and he needs to know me. But that is the freeing part of what Solomon is pointing into in this idea of wisdom and it gets concluded. Listen, wisdom's found in a right relationship with Jesus and I'm here to tell you on this week of of independence as a country, there's a greater independence that we need and it's a freedom from sin, sickness and death and Jesus is that hope and answer. Come on, who believes that this morning? Do you believe it today? He wants to show us there's a greater way to live than just making a name for ourselves. Can I just show you a verse here? Come on, Isaiah 26, eight. Yes, Lord, walking in the way of your laws. Come on, what's laws? That's wisdom. Yes, Lord, walking in the ways of your laws, we will wait for you because your name and your renown are the desires of our hearts. You see, When we begin to live for something more, we gotta live more than just making a point and making a name. Because making a point, making a name is where we're all gonna be tempted. That's where we're all gonna be drawn into. Making a point, making a name is exhausting. And until you get to the higher way to live, the way God's inviting us to live, it's when we begin to see that the real life is when we make a difference. Come on, that's exciting stuff, church but we get stuck right here, don't we? We get stuck right here, we get stuck right here, we get stuck right here, and we miss the best part. And what we don't even realize, when we start to live in a way where we're about making His name, His renown, His glory, His fame, His famous, all of a sudden we begin to see, oh God, you've got me here for a purpose and a reason. This thing's not about me anymore. This thing's about you. And when I make it about you, it's also about me making a difference in my neighbor's life. It's about me making a difference in my coworkers. It's about me making a difference in my family. It's about me making a difference in my relationships. Are you with me? When we make a difference, we will make a name. That's the way it works, but you can focus on trying to make a name and never get there. And that good independence for us today? The freedom that's ours if we'll trust in him. Come on, look at this. I just wanna rapid fire this thought because this is so rich and so good that I don't want us to miss this theme that shows up all the way back with Shem and takes us all the way through the scriptures. So anytime you see the word name, I just need some participation today. Will you read it with me? Come on, let's read the word name out loud. Anytime you see it, listen, listen. Jeremiah ten six says that there's no one like you, Lord. You are great and you're is mighty in power for look at this psalm 52 9 for what i have done i will always praise you in the presence of your faithful people i i will hope in your for your is good right proverbs eighteen ten. the name oh come on the name of the lord is a fortified tower the righteous run into it and are safe come on we just sing about the refuge of the lord amen and then here we go, Psalm 8, 9. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. I wonder today, are you trying to make a point? Are you trying to make a name for you? Or are you making a difference? And God wants us to do so much more. And when we live for making a difference, we begin to experience that kind of more. So let's go gut check again if I were to interview the people in your life, how would they speak about you and your name? Oh, that person, I know them, they're authentic. Oh man, that's, they're open. That person's sincere, man, that person's trustworthy. Come on, how would they speak about you? You see, we can chase all these things and we can say, oh, it's about your reputation. But listen, reputation, reputation is the result of character, not the other way around. And too many times we exhaust ourselves trying to protect this when God says, why don't you back up here and let's do the greater work behind the scenes because your behind the scenes is gonna eventually show up on stage. The great late John Wooden, come on, famous basketball coach. What does he say about this? He says this. He says, be more concerned with your character than your reputation. Isn't that true? God wants to do the greater work in us so that he can be seen from us. Really what we're talking about here is that God, the character, wants you to become whole. The word in our modern day language is the word integrity. Y'all know this. Integrity. It's actually a math word. (laughs) Integer. It means to be complete and undivided. It means to be whole. Can I tell you the good news? That's what Jesus does to us. He makes us whole. He gives us our identity. He gives us our security. He gives us our satisfaction. But I know you and I know me, we struggle with integrity. We struggle with this, don't we? Because we're humans living in a broken world where. Our integrity is always gonna be tested and tried. Can I tell you two vulnerable moments you need to pay attention to? I think these are important for us to see because if we don't pay attention to them, we'll have an integrity lapse and that sometimes that lapse can cost us something great. The first one is after a great success. Come on, you just had a victory. You just had a breakthrough. You just got a promotion. Listen, I'm not saying don't celebrate that moment. I'm just saying be on guard because the test is coming next. Because it's when those times where we're winning that we start to deceive ourselves and start to think that maybe we're bulletproof, right? It's in those moments where we think that we become above the law. And it's in those moments that we fall, we fall into the very pit of self-centeredness and we lose our integrity in those moments. Now, right behind that, it's interesting, there's another time that this happens and it's when you're going through a great trial. I know there's some of you right now are going through an incredible trial right now. And sometimes when you're going through those moments where you feel like there's no relief in sight, it's when you begin to say to yourself, man, I'm justified doing this now. I need just need to feel something different. I just need something to feel like it can change. And then we start self-talking to ourselves. Come on, see if these sound familiar. You'll start telling yourself, come on, nobody really knows what I'm going through. You'll start to say to yourself, this is only, this is my only bad habit. This is my only guilty pleasure. This is the only thing that gives me a little bit of relief. Nobody really knows what I'm doing. It's private, it's hidden, nobody sees it, right? And before you know it, guess what you've done? You've given the enemy a chance to slide in and to take you off course. And here's the dangerous part. Sometimes it's when we're doing God's stuff, it happens. Come on, I got some pastors in the room today. I know, I know what this is, right? Sometimes we can be doing godly things, And thank God, still using me. Yet, you start to what? Shortcut life, thinking this is never gonna catch up to me. And then it does. And there's so much collateral when it's all said and done. Can anybody relate to this word today? Yet, God says through Solomon, a good name is more desirable than the things of this earth. But here's the irony of Solomon's words He wasn't smoking what he was selling. He wasn't practicing what he was preaching. He asked God for wisdom, God gave it, and he wasn't living it. Because see, it's not just about you knowing the truth, it's about you living the truth. And somewhere along the way, Solomon got caught up trying to make a name for himself that he forgot real life is about making a difference. Solomon dies, nobody cries. Matter of fact, the nation was relieved that he finally died and then they beg his predecessor, can you make things a little bit easier on us than we had it under Solomon's rule and reign? Hey Solomon, you might wanna go back and reread Proverbs 22, one. You see, as I've said every week, though, I love the Old Testament. I love the, the kind of precursor to foreshadowing of where this thing's heading. But as good as Proverbs is, it's like good moral thinking, good moral living, godliness in daily life. There's something good about this. But listen, we have something greater than just this. We get to follow the trajectory of Scripture, and we get to take it forward. Come on, can I be Bible nerd a little longer today? Look Look at this, this is so cool. Let's turn to the New Testament. Let's go to Acts chapter two. And as we go to Acts chapter two, this is, this is cool. Listen, Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they're all about the life of Jesus. Jesus had been crucified on the cross, already buried away, rose again on the third day. But in Acts chapter one, it's his last resurrected moment, showing himself to his, his followers before he ascends up into heaven, right? Y'all know this. Well, Acts chapter two is a famous chapter called Pentecost. This is when thousands upon thousands of Jewish people are gathered together in this setting and the pastor, Peter, steps up and preaches a sermon. Now, I want you to hear this because there's something powerful in the words that he even preaches that day. Listen, in Acts chapter 2, verse 21 says that. It says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And then later at the end of his message, he hits this crescendo And he says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Powerful, powerful. Thousands get saved in that very message few days later Peter and John are coming back to Jerusalem and they're coming through the gate called beautiful and there's this crippled man there he cries out to him he cries out to these men of God he says help me help me and he asks for what financial help and I love what Peter says back to him Acts 3 verse 6 he says silver and gold I do not have but what I do have I give you in the name of of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. This gets him in hot water with all the Jewish leaders. A few days later, John and Peter called the task, brought into the Sanhedrin, Jewish ruling council. They're in front of the chief priest and look at what the chief priest had the audacity to ask him. He says this, he says, by what power or what name did you do this? And Peter right on cue, filled with the Holy Spirit, says to them, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. And then he gives us this verse, verse 12. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven (laughs) where mankind by which we can be saved. There's just something about that name. There's something about the name of Jesus. Are you with me, church? Are y'all with me today? Listen to me. There's something about the impact and the power when we go from living for our name to living for his name. And when we begin to see Jesus' name, come on, rapid fire here. Come on, Colossians three seventeen. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the Of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And then Luke 13, 35 said, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. And even Peter, when they were going through all kinds of crisis and trials and persecution and physical attack, he said, however, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name above all names. Come on, what are you known for? What are you known for? Are you known for the name above all names? in this good news today for us, I'm gonna ask our, our worship team to come back out. And even as they come back out, I believe every time we gather in this place, church, this is a mirror for us to look into to see ourselves. There's a lot of Christians here today. There's a lot of Christians here this morning. And I want, I want you to hear the believer side of this message today, because I don't want you to miss this moment for you to, to look at God and look at his word and say, God, Am I on the path of living for you and your name? So I got some questions, and I got about five questions I am going to put up here, and we're going to look at them for a second based on what we listened to and learned today. And get to five, you can take the picture so you can have it for your quiet time and put it in your journal. And I think these are good questions for us to come back to, to kind of recheck our hearts from time to time. But here's the first question. Here it is. Am I more like Christ today than I was a year ago? We're moving somewhere, right? Or we're stuck. Where were you last year at this time in your faith? And where are you right now today? Are you moving? Are you moving? Are you following? Are you living for the name above all names? Here we go, question two. Am I wearing myself out trying to prove myself to others? It's exhausting, isn't it? Question three. Am I living in isolation? That sounds like an odd question, right? Come on, we live in Northern Virginia. People on top of people on top of people. Come on, everywhere. But you could live in a crowded population. You live in a crowded place and be what? Be alone. You see, sometimes you decide who's gonna be close enough to really know you. Do you have enough courage to let somebody come and be a disciple, a mentor, and let them in on what you're thinking, what you're feeling, what you're struggling? Come on, are you living in isolation? Question four. This can be heavy. Am I carrying a sinful secret? How long you been doing that? That's a long time. It's got no good outcome. It's just a matter of when, not if. That thing's gonna blow up in you. Last question, whose name am I living for? Come on, here's some questions for us today to ask ourselves in this and even in this more than that, to let the Word of God shine some light into our lives to see, is there shadowed shadow in places? Is there some places that I need to surrender that God doesn't have control over? And do I really want Jesus to be Lord of my whole life? Am I really living for His name and His renown? Or have I retreated back to just trying to make a point and make a name and trying to protect my own image and my own reputation? It's too tempting. But see, here's the powerful part of the moment. You don't make a name focused on you. You make a name when you commit to making a difference. This is why church, we can't come here on Sunday and just come and consume and receive. We gotta awaken to what God wants us to do with these words to make a difference in the world that we've been called to live in. Come on church, we're not here to just come and sit and listen, we're called to what? To be, to be, to be the church in action. One of the greatest actions I have is I believe today there are a lot of guests here with us today. I love I love holiday weekends, I love summers because we get a lot of outside family and friends that are here, and I love that you're here today. I know somebody may be here today that, that would be honest enough to say, I'm, I'm not a church person. I wouldn't call myself Christian pastor, but you know, maybe today I've heard some things, you know, maybe there's some things here that you've intrigued me about and you're leaning in. But listen to me, more than you being impressed today, because that is not the goal. I want you right here, right now to have an encounter today with the one and only that can change you from the inside out. Today I want you to have an opportunity to just do what the Word just said to do, for you to call upon the name of Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior over your life. Listen, if the Holy Spirit's doing a work in you right now in this moment, I just ask you to surrender to it, to submit. To what's happening right now because we believe this today. God brought you here on purpose and right now, come on, he's knocking on the door of your heart and he's saying, would you let me into your life? Watch what I can do when you trust me with your past, when you trust me with your sin and mistakes, you trust me with it all. Today God wants to do that work in you. Are you ready? Are you willing? I'm gonna give you one more passage of scripture to try to convince. And in this passage, I love it, Paul's writing to this church in Philippi, the Philippian church, and he says some things to them that I think are just the crescendo of a message like this again. Listen to what the word says. It says this in Philippians two, verse five. It says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset, come on, the same attitude as Christ Jesus, who being the very nature God But Jesus didn't consider equality something to be used for his own advantage, no. Rather, Jesus made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in the appearance as a man. Jesus humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. And so therefore God exalted him to the highest place he gave him the name, come on, he gave him the name above every name, that the name of Jesus, every, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess and acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of God the Father alone. Come on, are you ready to make a difference? It starts in a relationship with Jesus. It starts right now. Right now today, come on, somebody's here today. Right now today is your day to confess and to believe and to receive. Come on, bow your heads and hearts with me right now in this moment. Father God, I just begin by saying, thank you for your faithfulness today. I know God on these holiday weekends where we know a lot of people in and out, it'd be easy just to say, how do we just go through the motions? God, today you didn't allow us to go through the motions. You have called us to yourself. There's power in your words. And God, as we prayed on the beginning, God, your light is shining. It is shining and it is revealing, God, the the area, the hurts that you're leaning into for us on our sake and our behalf. God, I pray for my brother and sister in the faith that's hurting right now. I pray for my brother and sister in Christ that's being convicted right now today because they realize they've veered away from you. God, today... This word on a good name brings them pain and shame because of some decisions they've made in their life and their faith. And God, today the enemy would love for them to be defeated in this moment and to walk out of here ashamed. But God, your love is greater than our decisions. God, your grace and mercy is greater than our mistakes. And though we may have consequences of our choices, God, we can walk out of here with full confidence today that we can be forgiven, not because of what we have done, but because of who Jesus is and what he did on the cross on our behalf. God, today I pray for the Christian to confess their sin, to repent of their sin, to draw their heart towards yours and to walk out of here today forgiven in Jesus' name. But God, I believe today, somebody here is by your invitation only. And today you're about to begin a relationship with somebody here today. Somebody watching us online is about to say yes and believe and begin this journey of surrender and sanctification for this day forward. Come on, who are you? Who are you? Don't hide anymore. Come on, right now in this moment, I'm gonna invite you to pray. That's what talking to God is all about, is praying. I'm not even going to help you right now in this moment. Right there where you're seated, would you just talk to God? Begin it like this. Say, God, today I call upon the name of Jesus. Tell him that. To forgive me and save me. I surrender my past, my sin, and my life to you. I want my life to make a difference to you and to others. Thank you for giving me ultimate freedom. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Praise God. I believe today, Father, there's one person in this this moment that just said yes to you. Come on, if that's you, I don't want you to hide anymore, I want you to be known. When I count to three, I want you to just shoot your hand in the air and say, Pastor, today I just confessed and repented and believed and received. That was me. That was me. Come on. One, two, three. Right now, hand high. Today, that was me, Pastor. That was me. Keep your hand up until my prayer team gets to you. If you're online right now, hit that button to say, Pastor, that was me today. Father, thank you. You're the only one that can change a heart. You're the only one that can save a life. Thank you for this moment in this morning be glorified from our lives this next seven days. And God, would you give us eyes to see how we, your people, can make a difference. In Jesus' name we pray together. Amen and amen. Come on, stand up, let's sing these words.